Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, instructive, joy-giving word to us this morning. Father, again, help our eyes see and our ears hear what you have provided in this word by your servants. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for keeping your promise that you'll go away and you will send the Holy Spirit. And you have to us who believe. And thus we see. So help us hear, help the truth go deep into our hearts and souls this morning to the glory of your name. Amen. The big picture of Christianity, it is first, God acted in Christ to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus came, he suffered, he died, he was entombed, and on the third day God raised him from the dead to everlasting immortal human life. Secondly, to be saved by him, you must believe that. In other words, have faith. So th this passage that we've delved into last week, it is a straightforward definition of what that faith is. We saw last week that the, the best translation of the original is that faith, it is the very stuff or the, the very reality. It's the very substance of the promises of the gospel that have been dropped into the soul or the heart of a Christian by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, that faith now in the Christian, which is alive, becomes to them the very evidence of the unseen future promises that have been secured by Jesus' work. On the cross. Or to say it another way, the objective truth, the truth of God's existence, of His goodness, 
of his mercy, the truth of what he actually accomplished in his son's death on the cross. That objective reality is personified in God himself, in the Holy Spirit. But because all of us creatures made in God's image, since Adam have been born into sin, none of us naturally have that reality living in us. Not until God mercifully drops that into our hearts through the hearing of the gospel by the Holy Spirit infusing it. Or to just use all kinds of other biblical terminology to say the same thing about that faith which is alive in a sinner who is in Christ. The Bible says it in all kinds of ways. They are, in other words, filled with the Holy Spirit. They're born of God, 1 John. They're born again or regenerated, Jesus, John 3. Or like Jesus said in that passage to Nicodemus, it's like the wind that blows. You can't see it come. You don't know where it came from or where it's going. But that wind leaves its effect, which is the very truth of God and the very love for God, which is personified in God, that is then imparted by that wind to a dead spirit. Dead to God. And as Paul says, that's what is how God raised us up in Christ. Made us partakers of Christ. And all the promises together with Jesus. Or, the Bible says, those persons are given new ears to hear. They're given new eyes to see. Their, their hearts of stone have been replaced with a heart of flesh, soft and pliable and receptive. Now the way to say it is they're called to faith. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Or in short, they have faith. In Jesus, faith in the gospel and all of its promises. And that faith itself is evidence to them of what they cannot see. That's what we saw. The point is this. Faith is, is not merely agreeing with the knowledge of the gospel in the sense of merely a mental assent to its truth. But it must have the additional aspect of grasping 
tasting that the Lord is good. Seeing, delighting in what it sees. Because this faith, it is the Holy Spirit produced act of seeing the handiwork of God in creation and in the cross of Christ and all the promises that He secured that are still laid up in heaven in the inheritance which is yet to come. It is that evidence within God's people that's true. So faith, unlike what many people teach today, it is not some positive thinking. It's not some impersonal power by which you can bring things into being. That is not biblical, authentic faith. Biblical, authentic, saving faith is based on objective, real Truth. It, it, it looks at the universe and it knows that's true. God created it by speaking it into existence. It, it hears the preacher. It looks at the pages of Scripture, of what they proclaim about Jesus this week that we celebrate. And why He went to the cross. And it hears the historical eyewitness accounts of His resurrection. And it hears the meaning of what happened in that justification by faith alone. Wrath of God removed. It sees in the Scripture. Why? Because by the Holy Spirit, he caused the hard-heartedness to dissipate by His grace. And thus, what is always there on the page, as we saw last week with the analogy of the seeing eye book, where there's nothing but just a bunch of colors of nothingness on every page, and then someone tells you, no, 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 there's a 3D image that pops off it. And it took me an hour and a half of struggling to even believe that that was true. That's what the Holy Spirit produces. Eyes to see what's really there. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it. From 2 Corinthians 3, verses 15 to 18, he says it this way. And yes... To this day, whenever well, 3D book is looked at, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts and they cannot see the 3D image. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we Christians, all of us with unveiled face, are 
beholding in the book the glory of the Lord in 3D image. And we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Because this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, the, the eye of faith, it sees, not something that's not there, it sees something that is really there, that is actually true. So you ask, Christian, how do you know the gospel is true? I know because I see it. That's the evidence. The evidence is your faith. That's what he's telling us. Now faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Where so many in the church world today go wrong is in thinking that, that faith means just believe in the sense of just agree with some basic Christian propositions. Now, the Reformers in the 1500s and the Great Reformation, they knew that that idea was a very shallow reading of the Scriptures. And in defining faith, the faith that, that saves, they wrote in Latin, many of them, and when they did this in Latin, they broke it up into three necessary parts. It's just one thing. It's faith. This is the faith that saves. Believe on the Lord Jesus. That faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's one pie cut up into three pieces. And you need all three to, to be this biblical faith is what they were saying. And I agree with them. And those three pieces they broke up in Latin were noticia, knowledge, assensus, assent or agreement to it, and fiducia, trust. The noticia, that piece of the pie, it refers to the knowledge, the content of the gospel that must come or one cannot believe. They can't have this saving faith. Remember how Paul put it in Romans 10 verse 14? How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed or had faith in? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not Heard The knowledge hasn't come to them. The knowledge must get to them. One cannot have saving faith without the basic knowledge of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They've got to have it. But that knowledge, though it is necessary to be saved, if that's all you got, it's not sufficient to save you. 
It's not enough. Every child being raised in Christian families and in the local church and in the Sunday school room, they all have noticia, the knowledge, enough. But it doesn't mean they have faith that saves. The person needs the second piece of the pie, a census. And meaning, I know that. And yeah, that's, I know, that's true. That's what I believe. I have knowledge of that. You've got to have that because, look, obviously, many people in the world have the noticia. They have the knowledge of the gospel. It's not that difficult. It's fairly simple. And they know what it proclaims. And then they say, fairy tale. I don't believe that. I mean, Jesus was actually bodily resurrected from the dead. I don't, I don't agree with that. They don't have that second piece of the pie. you got to have that. But if all one has is the noticia, the knowledge, and the ascensus, agreement with it, it's still not enough to be saved. Even demons have those two pieces. They know the gospel, and they know that it's true. They believe it in that sense, and they shudder. They don't have this faith. They need, and we all need, the third piece of the pie, fiducia, which is the heart, affections, desires, that, that whole that, 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 that thing, it's, it's even hard to, to describe it. We all know it because we're human beings. It, it, it is that the heart come alive to Jesus personally and loving of Him and embracing and loving the message, the gospel. It, and it, it is that thing. You, you would Basic translation of that in Latin is Trust. I, I, I'll fall and I know you're going to catch me. Because that's what it means when I believe you. And that there, that fiducia, that, that's the result of God shining the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face or gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just knowing that God is big, huge, glorious. It's tasting that He is good. It's personal, experiential knowing, believing. And that faith according to our text, is the evidence of the truth of those unseen promises. Even the reality of the way Peter put it, though you don't see him, you love him. 
Though right now, Christian, in this life, you do not yet see him, you believe in him. And thus, and this is the evidence of fiducia, you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible. It's filled with glory. And you are obtaining the outcome of that faith, this, the salvation of your souls. This is his definition of faith. Now, what that means for us Christians in the context of Hebrews is we are to go on actively fighting to trust in God's promises. So look down at the page again to just, let me just read and I'm gonna pull back, the, let's pull the context into at the end of chapter 10. I'll begin with verse 38. And in quoting Habakkuk, he, he just, he said, cause we're in this position, he, I'm coming, I'm coming. But he hasn't come yet. He still hasn't come yet. And we're in this time of, of suffering and, and pain and trials and fears and all that we all experience in this world. He's coming. And so in that context, while you're living during this time, then pick up in verse 38, still quoting Habakkuk. He says, but my righteous one, the believers with a whole pie, they shall live by faith. They shall live by that faith. And if, his, and if he shrinks back from that, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their soul. See, now faith is, it's the substance of things that are hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. For by that faith, the people of old received their commendation. In other words, God's praise of that. By, by faith, see, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That's going to go on. So as I close here, let's think about your relationship with God. There's two crucial things about it all the time. Truth. The objective truth and trust. The pie, the pie that's in you is a believer. See, trust. Trust, I trust him. Times we don't. Trust. It's essential for your walk, personal relationship with God. Just like, in a sense, with any person, trust is essential to be close to another 
person. If the other person you deem to be untrustworthy, then you will not open up or be close to them. You'll draw back. And that's why truth is the basis of trust. Because if somebody in your life lies to you habitually, you will lose trust in that person. You will be on your guard. Walls will come up. So look, where I'm going is this. Trusting God is essential for personal relationship. Ongoing, subjective, experiential walking with God. Just notice a few verses down. What he says there in verse 6. Another way he wants to define faith. Trusting in God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because, so therefore, this is a definition of faith, according to him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Okay? Walk closely with, you must believe he exists, and you must believe or trust something else. Trust that He rewards those. Don't miss, don't miss or read anything else into this. In, in, in your sin, you go to Him. And, and you don't bring anything else in order to draw near. He rewards those who seek. He's trustworthy. He proved it in saving you, in sending His Son. That's why the Apostle John can make outlandish statements like, if we Christians confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive you because it's not rested in you. It's rested in the work of His Son who made propitiation for your sins. Trust His goodwill toward you. When you think that life's circumstances are meaning to you, Christian, that God is angry at me. He would never reward me. We need to stop and stop calling him a liar. He rewards those 
who seek Him. To the extent that our hearts are not trusting, and by definition, I don't really know if you mean this or that or the other revealed in Scripture, Lord, to that extent, we will not draw close to God. Because the more we think someone's deceiving us, the less we trust the person and move away. Truth. This book is the basis of your trust. If you doubt the truth of God's word, including his promises of the future, then you're not trusting him and you and I are moving away from him relationally in our lives. And this is the context of what had happened in Hebrews. Remember, he's appealing to them, essentially telling them, your trust is waning. You are not banking on what God has said to you, and you have moved further and further away. That's why you are becoming dull of hearing. And then he appealed we saw a couple weeks back, if you just look back at verse 34, chapter 10, where, where he went, do you remember when you were walking closely with the Lord? Where your, your faith, it was really, really alive. And it easily extinguished all the flaming darts of the evil one and of doubt and of calling God a liar. Do you remember? Because they're not there now. He appealed to them. Quote, for you had compassion on those in prison. Now, he's not going to mention a word, but in the context, this he's saying, this is what faith and walking in it produced in you. You had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Because you knew. You, 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 all three pieces of the knowing there. It ain't just that he said it, just that he agreed with it. You knew by the Spirit who's powerfully working in you. You knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Promise. So let's go on and pursue a walk of trusting the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Trusting the Scripture and all the promises that it has made to us. And that means when God brings difficult trials into your life, Trust Him. In other words, believe the Word. Believe Him when He says that in the trial, He's acting toward you as a loving 
Father to form you into the image of Christ. If the enemy can get us to doubt God's love in the times of trial, then those trials will produce in us a moving away. We will close up instead of draw near to the throne of grace where we find grace, power, mercy in the time of need. And we'll see it because we will begin to ignore His truth more and more. So, let's go on and resolve to hang out with God in His Word where He speaks to us. And in prayer, where we speak to Him. And especially this week as we meditate on and contemplate our great Savior in His trial, His walk, in the Garden of Gethsemane, His trust in the Father, not my will but yours be done. And so let this definition of faith expand in your hearts. So I, I close these last two weeks with my paraphrase of Hebrews 11, verse 1. Here. Faith is that which makes real in our experience the promises that God has given about the future. Faith, in other words, is the very substance of those promises. Faith proves, it is the evidence that the things that we cannot see, like God, and angels, and demons, and heaven, and hell, and the future resurrection of the body, they are very much true and real. So let us go on tasting and seeing that the Lord in and through Jesus Christ is good as we now continue to prepare to partake of the bread and the cup as a tangible expression of our faith in Jesus, who at the present is still unseen to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this ritual. Reliving again and again as the people of Israel were told to do of that particular real night and the Passover. And we do this as often as we do it of your night celebrating the Passover, but as the Passover lamb, you were good. 
We thank you for the presence of your spirit working through your word and expanding our trust in you to the glory of your name. Amen.